young again and you could leave? <laughs> no, okay. You know, it's always great for us to be here, for Barbara and me. Thank you for letting us come. And we appreciate when James does crazy things like this and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and lets us be a part of, uh, of your congregation for a little bit. We wish we could split ourselves somehow and go half where we need to go with our son and be half the time here. We can't do that. We can only be one person. But thank you for this opportunity. Um, I want to pray a little bit. I, I think we need to pray, first of all, for the pastor, because in my mind, this is insanity. <laughs> and I'm serious about it, so we ought to pray for him. And uh, this has been kind of a week. Um, if you paid any attention to what's going on in our country with fires on the West Coast, in the L.A. area, people losing everything, and floods in Louisiana, uh, but catastrophical kind of a thing. Maybe you're a little bothered this morning about what's going on in life. Maybe it's even your life that's a little bit disrupted. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, it's uh, good for the people of God to gather together at least once a week. And we come here because we believe you are a God that we relate to and who relates to us. You're a God that loves to have us share with you our concerns. And we pray as a congregation this morning for our pastor, for James, as he swims and rides a bike and runs and participates in something that, that delights his heart. Protect him. And we pray that uh, there's no injuries from this, that you give him the ability to finish this when finish it well for, for your glory. Uh, be with him, with his family, with Tim, who's, who's encouraging him on even this morning. And Lord, our hearts may be heavy this morning because of what we see in our country around us. Devastated people, people who are brothers and sisters in Christ who've lost everything in the last week or two. And we lift them up to you. They've got to feel saddened and hurt and dissatisfied. And maybe there are even some of them who are deeply depressed with their loss of happiness Something tragic has taken their life. And that doesn't even account for what goes on in the world around us that we're constantly bombarded with. So we meet together as a people of God. Encourage us, strengthen us, direct us, teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now this morning you have uh, an outline in your bulletin. And you will need the outline because the scripture passages are not on the screen they're too long. So take this out, and when we get there, you'll be able to read these along when I read them to you. So they're all right here. So everybody has one of these, right? Okay. Um, secondly, um, this, this whole subject comes out of my desire to, uh, to listen to what Jesus had to say in the Bible. And I've been having fun for the last six, seven months of just reading the words of Jesus and then trying to put them in different categories. So I'm sharing with you the results of some study about what Jesus had to say, believe it or not, about being happy. So let's do the man on the street thing at first. And if you stop somebody on the street and you say to them, so what do you want out of life? Uh, you probably get all kinds of answers. Well, I'd like to be successful. I'd like to have a lot of money. I'd like to have good health. I'd like to have a good job. I'd like to have a nice place to live. Could go on and on and on. 
But at the bottom of this seems to be this idea that, well, you know, really what I want out of life is I want to be happy, whatever that means. I want to be happy. And, and I think as Americans, we've had over 200 years of having this ingrained in our heads that we all have a right to be happy. After all, the Declaration of Independence said that. You have an inalienable right for life, liberty, and happiness. Now, I want to remind you what Ben Franklin said about that. He said this, the U.S. Constitution does not guarantee happiness, only the pursuit of it. You have to catch up with it yourself. Thank you, Ben. That helps us a little bit. But there's no question about it. We like happiness. And happiness seems to circle around the whole idea of some circumstance. The only difference is that happiness gets defined in different ways by different people. We would all say we want to be happy, but it doesn't mean the same thing to all people. We just want to be happy. What makes us happy? It seems to me that what makes most of us happy is when we're in a circumstance that doesn't get any better than this. That would make me happy. Wouldn't that make you happy? Unfortunately, those circumstances differ for different people. So I give you a little illustration. So here's me, <clears throat> 8 o'clock in the morning, sitting on the deck, overlooking the sunrise over the ocean, drinking a cup of coffee alone. It doesn't get any better than this for Ron. My wife, on the other hand, that wouldn't really light her fire as it doesn't get any better than this. This is what doesn't get any better for us. Sitting around with the whole family, noisy, busy, conversations going on, eating food with all the friends and family. Now that can't get any better for her. Happiness comes somehow in our minds when things just can't get any better than this. Now, I have to admit to you that I don't know how many people really ever think much about what happiness is. Recently, and I only read this because I got a degree in psychology from college, which I've never used, and so whenever I read weird things about psychology, I, I get interested again. I have learned that there is something new in the area of psychology now. And it has to do with happiness. As a matter of fact, it is called positive psychology. Now, it's good for me to educate you in case you have not heard of this. This is what positive psychology is. It is the study of happiness. Did you know that? You can now go to the psychologist and they'll teach you how to be happy. Psychology has traditionally focused on dysfunction. People with mental illness or other psychological problems and how to treat it. But positive psychology, in contrast, is a relatively new field that examines how ordinary people can become happier and more fulfilled. Aren't you happy now that we have psychology to teach us how to be happy? As a matter of fact, I want to tell you this morning, I'm saving you all $17. <laughs> I was standing in line at the checkout counter of a grocery store a couple of weeks ago. And there was a Time Magazine publication, not Time Magazine itself, but a publication of theirs. How to be happy. It was about that thick. $17 they wanted for it. You do not have to buy that publication. I am saving you the money this morning. There is a whole new money-making project out there. We have to make people happy. What is it going to take to make 
people happy. Now, as I see happiness, for most people, it has to do with circumstances. And I'm not sure that our circumstances really are what Jesus' happiness is all about at all. As a matter of fact, I think happiness has something to do with God and maybe something to do with the church. I've always been interested in this church, which is on the highway going up to Deer Park. Have you all passed this church? Have you all passed the sign to this church, the Happy Home Church of Deer Park? Anybody ever been there? Have you been there? I don't know if it's a happy place or not, but imagine. They kind of caught on that somehow happy belongs in the church. Somehow happy has something to do with God. Well, I want to look at happiness today. Happiness from the perspective of Jesus. And we start with this whole idea of what Jesus has to say comes from a limited source of information. There are only four writers of Gospels who tell us what Jesus had to say. Only two of them were alive and heard what Jesus had to say. The other two got it secondhand. And then in the midst of all of the words of Jesus that are given to us by these four writers, do we have a language problem here? Because Jesus did not speak in English. Jesus never used the word happy. As a matter of fact, Jesus spoke in Aramaic or he spoke Hebrew, and that's not bad enough, but then some people translated the Aramaic or the Hebrew into Greek, and we can't read the Greek, and so we translate the Greek into English or Spanish or French or whatever. So this thing gets a little complicated. But we want to look a little bit today at the words that are used for happiness. So part of this is education. The English word for happiness comes from an old English word, hap, which means just kind of chance or good fortune. It just happens that now and then you get happiness. That's what we have in our mind with our English word. But the words that are used by Jesus are not that word. The words that are used by Jesus come from the Old Testament, either the Hebrew word esher or the word barak. Now, I'm especially interested in the word barak, which translates in the Old Testament either blessed or happy. I was especially interested because I used to pastor outside of Philadelphia a church named Baraka. It must have been the happy church. There it was, the whole Hebrew word, Barak, Baraka. And, and we have a president who happens to have that same name. Imagine that. Now, there's a little bit of discrepancy, lest you want to go and think of him as happy Obama. You can't do that. Because there's some question as to whether this came from the Hebrew name into an African tribal kind of thing for Barak, or whether it came from an, an Arabic word, which actually means lightning. And that Arabic word for lightning, it happens to be the name of Muhammad's horse. So you have your choice, and you can deal with that as you like. I just, I just threw all that in. Okay, what does Jesus have to say about happiness not as we understand it in our circumstances necessarily, but what does he have to say with it in, in the words that he would have used to be blessed, to be happy, to go beyond what our circumstances are? Here's the first reference. Matthew chapter 5 begins in verse 3. You have heard these over and over and over again. I'm going to read them to you in just a little bit of a different slant. These are often called the Beatitudes, the blessed things. These are things that make you happy. It's the word for happy, barak, blessed. 
In the Greek, it's makarios. Okay? Same kind of thing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That means blessed or happy are you when you have the wind knocked out of you. What? Well, we'll try it in that verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn. Happy are those who are saddened by circumstances of loss, whatever they are. Loss of life, loss of health, loss of property. Verse 5. Blessed are the meek, the gentle, and the humble, and the lowly. You've got to be kidding. They're not happy. They're miserable. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Happy are those who practice justice and fairness, who don't abuse the rights of others. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful. Happy are those who are filled with compassion and care about other people. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who are honest. Blessed are those who are sincere, who are absolutely trustworthy. They're the happy people. Verse 9, happy are the peacemakers, those for whom there is no strife, no division, no squabbling, no anger, no revenge. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Happy are you when you are disliked by others, when you're considered to be an outsider, when you're considered to be some minority of some kind. Now, you've got to be kidding if that's what we think happiness is. Jesus said, well, that's what's Barak. That's what's Makarios. That's what he thought happiness was. Now, there's a reason why he said these words. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, this is what brought these words about. Jesus went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and listen to this, healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him sick. They brought him those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed with demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and from Decropolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Can you picture this guy? He's healing everybody who's sick. He's taking care of everybody who had some need. He's making people circumstantially happy. And in the midst of all of that, people crowding around him, we want this too, we want this too. He said, let me tell you what real happiness is. And he gave that long list we just read. Now, I got news for you. This, this is politics 101. Isn't it? Hey, if you can make people happy, they'll vote for you. Promise them anything. Do anything you can, and they'll be happy. And Jesus said, that's not exactly what I have in mind happiness is all about. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he sat down and his disciples came to him, he opened his mouth and he taught them these things. 
Interesting, isn't it? I remember being taught in seminary that this Sermon on the Mount, this is, this is life in the kingdom. This is not life in the kingdom to come. This is life now. And this is about happiness, blessedness in God. Now, we can go back to positive psychology again. A uh, couple of weeks ago, I watched a movie. Now, I'm not recommending this movie to you. It was made in 2014. Do not, do not watch this movie, okay? But I watched it for you. <laughs> it's called Hector and the Search for Happiness. It's hard for me to believe that he actually made a movie like this. This is positive psychology. Hector is a psychiatrist, okay? Hector goes to China to find happiness. Hector goes to Africa to find happiness. He ends up in Los Angeles, of all places, to find happiness. And he comes to the conclusion that I've been looking in all the wrong places. Happiness is found in family and friends. That's positive psychology, how to be happy. Somehow you have to find the circumstances that will make you happy. You know, if you look in the wrong place, you never find what you're looking for. Now, I know some of you don't have this problem, but periodically I lose my keys. Do you ever lose your keys? Or maybe your cell phone. You lose your cell phone. You didn't really lose it. You just put it somewhere you don't know where it is. You can't find your keys if you look in the wrong place. No matter how hard you try, you can't find them. We just had an interesting experience this morning. We have, we have house guests with us from Hawaii, from Honolulu. They're very dear friends of ours. And they stopped in for a couple of days to visit with us. And this morning they get up, we have breakfast, and our house guest says, the, the gal, she says, I, I've lost my meds. I didn't bring my meds. She called the hotel where they stayed the night before last in Seattle. They said, well, we, don't, we never found the place. She said, I've lost my meds. I've lost my meds. I don't have my meds. And the, the hotel called back, said, we've checked everything. We don't have your meds. They went out, looked in the car again that wasn't in their car that they rented. And then when we got here at church, I, I got a little message from her. Uh, I found them. They were in my suitcase. <laughs> but if you're looking in the wrong place, you will never find what you're looking for. I suspect that real happiness is to be blessed by God. And real happiness has very little to do with your circumstances or mine. That makes sense? Okay, we got another thing that Jesus said about happiness. Now, this time he tells a story. Now, a story is not true. A story is a story to make a point. So this is his story. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. A man once gave a great banquet, and he invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. And they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Oh, okay. Please have me excused. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. 
We're not sure why. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. And the master of the house became angry. And he said to his servant, We'll go out in the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room at the feast. And the master said to the servant, Then go out in the highways and go out in the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste of my banquet. Well, I got the story. Guy invited people to come to his banquet, and they said, well, I can't come. You know, I just made an investment, and I got to take care of my investments. I'm checking the stock market and my bonds and how they're moving and selling. I'm not going to be able to leave my computer. I can't come to the banquet. I understand that part. I made an investment. Some said, I, I just bought some oxen, and, you know, I got to make sure the oxen are okay. I'm going to have to take them down to the vets. I'm going to have to run this errand and that errand. I got, I got things to do with the oxen. I got fields to plow. With the oxen, I got other things to do. I just can't make it right now. I understand that. I understand that one said I just got married. I got other things to do. I'm occupied. I don't have time to go to a party. I got a wife to take care of now. Maybe my wife is having a child. Man, I, I'm busy with other things. They're the same kind of things that people look for happiness in. See what they have. See what's good for them. See how their circumstances seem right for them. Now, what brought this story about? Jesus got invited to a dinner at the home of some Pharisees. And when he got to the dinner, he noticed that the Pharisee who had invited him had seated people in accordance with their importance. And that's why Jesus told the story. I want to tell you about something else, Pharisees. I'm going to tell you about something else, this little story. So in Luke 14, 12, he said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives, your rich neighbors, lest they invite you in return and you be repaid. When you give a feast, invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame, invite the blind. Well, wait a minute. I don't want to have those people at my feast. That's not going to make me happy. Oh, then you will be happy then you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things he said to him then blessed happy is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of god there's our word happy again there's our word barak makarios there's our word the happiness is found in the blessing of God. Now, some people may say, you know, Jesus never said much about how to be happy. I think he had a lot to say about how to be happy. But it had nothing to do with positive psychology. It didn't have anything to do with the name of the church. It had to do with what God is in my life. A blessing or not a blessing? Listen. To these words of Jesus, John 15, 11. These things, and you can put all lots of other things, just not the immediate context. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. If your joy is full, wouldn't that make you happy? Wouldn't that be a blessing from God? Not that you have all the money you need. 
Not that you got a new home, but that your joy is just filled by God. Jesus said it again in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives it. I don't give it to you that way. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation. Take heart. Overcome the world. This runs against our whole cultural understanding of what's happiness. Jesus said, no, no, I bring the blessing of God. I bring peace. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus said, listen, don't worry about anything. I read this every day. I need to keep reading this. First I read the newspaper, then I read this. I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. I don't have to be anxious about how much money I have in the bank? No. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil or spin. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What is happiness? Happiness is to be blessed by God. Happiness is not positive psychology. It's a Jesus thing. Isn't it? I, I went in my wife's jewelry box this morning, and I, I got this out of there. I, uh, I went to her then afterward, and I said, so are these real pearls? And she looked at me like I lost my mind. Of course they're not real pearls. <laughs> so, okay, what they'll do. You all know what these are, right? Junk pearls, probably made in China. I don't know. But you all know what a real pearl is, don't you? You all know where a real pearl comes from? Where does it come from? An oyster. The ugliest thing in the world is an oyster. Who would want to be an oyster? I mean, it's just awful looking. <laughs> Look at it. Do you know how the pearl comes to be in the oyster? A grain of sand gets in the oyster shell. And the oyster is annoyed by it. It's got a grain of sand in here. I don't want the grain of sand in here. And so it begins to secrete fluid that starts to build up around the grain of sand. And it secretes enough fluid until the irritant goes away and a pearl is formed. Oh, that sounds a little bit like what Jesus said happiness was. You know, maybe sometimes some circumstances are really good in our life to help grow something beautiful. Did you ever hear this guy, Malcolm Muggeridge? Malcolm Muggeridge was born in 1903, lived to be an old guy in 1990. He was a Brit, went through two world wars. He was an agnostic. He taught in India. He taught in Egypt. And when he was 66 years old, somebody introduced him to Jesus Christ. And his whole life changed. This is a quote from this old man, my age. 
I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I have learned in my 75 years, misspelled, in this world, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my existence has been through affliction and not happiness, whether pursued or attained, not happiness as we usually think of it. This is what grows us as pearls. I got this in the mail, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. We have a good friend who's had a ministry for 15 years in Honduras. He lives in Pennsylvania, and he, he does uh, economic development in Honduras. He's helped out for 15 years literally thousands of very poor village people by making them interest-free loans. And uh, he sent this letter about a particular elderly woman who had just passed away. Her name is uh, Mina. I thought I'd just read just a little bit of this letter. It'll make you feel better. For many years, Mina had untreated diabetes. She completely lost her sight in both eyes. The doctors had to amputate one of her legs at the hip. Then a few years later, they had to amputate the other leg at her hip. She was blind. She had no legs. She lived in a small hut with no electricity, no running water. She had no husband, never did, no parents, no children, no siblings to look after her. She had every reason in this world to be sad, self-pitying, and even grouchy. And for most of her life, Mina was known as the village ogre. She was mean, she was grouchy, she was spiteful. People went out of their way to avoid her. And that was when she had her eyesight and both her legs. And she found Christ. And he brought such a joy in her life that she bore all her physical problems without complaint. This is what a local pastor said. It would be difficult to find a situation worse than Mina's, yet she is rarely without a smile. She loves to share how the Lord is continually blessing her in her life. Is that where happiness is? Where we're in the presence of God and God is blessing us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Wow. You want to be happy? Immerse yourself in the living God through Jesus Christ. It doesn't make any difference what goes on on the outside. You'll be blessed. And the blessing of God is the happiness that Jesus brings. That's good news. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these simple words of our Lord. He saw things in a different way than the way we see them. Help us not to be content with the psychology of the day or the search for some circumstance that will make us feel as though it doesn't get better than this. May we be searchers of the kingdom and your righteousness and the recipients of your great blessings. 
through Jesus and in his name. Amen. Amen. Would you